Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights, another Wembley disappointment. And is it time for Ralph to go? My name is Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. Callum, how disappointing was that yesterday? Um, it was it was disappointing. I think the only positive to take from it is that we didn't get um, absolutely hammered, which was, I think, a, a bit of a lingering fear for some fans in terms of the scoreline. Uh, but we didn't. We weren't. We might as well have not turned up to 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 get to a semi final of a major tournament or the, the most major domestic tournament. And not test a goalkeeper once is a disgrace. Uh, I, I think we, we're just lucky that we um, we didn't have to travel back on a Sunday evening uh, from Wembley, having watched um, a gutless, spineless, pathetic performance from from our football team. And to be honest, I don't know where that leaves us now because there are no signs of positive change. Yeah, you know, how long is this? poor form going to go on for it's no longer poor form no it's been the majority of the season and I think Saints were lucky that fans weren't there fans haven't been there for the this year and I, th I, th I think we'd see much more of a reaction had we been there because well they, they, they get away with it in an empty stadium they don't have the booze which inevitably they would be getting and at Wembley yesterday There'd just be cries of frustration. They wouldn't, I undoubtedly, maybe a few a bit fans applauding them off the pitch. But after that, when Ralph when Ralph said we they left everything on the pitch, I just thought, mate, they haven't even left the changing room. To not test the, the well, yeah. to not I test mean, the goalkeeper once is an embarrassment. And I saw someone say, oh, but it was a it was a bad game of football. You know, Leicester only had one shot on target. And it's like, yeah, but I can remember several chances that Leicester had that they really should have hit it on target. Vardy in the first half, Madison had a couple of attempts, especially his first, that if it was just a little bit lower, would have gone straight past Forster. The only attempt that I can remember from us was Diallo hitting a hopeful shot from the edge of the penalty area, which went just wide. I mean, Danny Ings, anonymous, the, the whole front four anonymous, really. And I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't go into the game expecting us to win, but expecting us to at least give it a go. And we didn't do that. Yeah, Leicester were there for the taking, Tom. Like, Le Leicester weren't, weren't good. No one was good yesterday. So that just shows how bad Saints were because they were the worst of two poor teams. Um, Leicester didn't have to be on song. They, they, yeah, they got past us a few times. It was the same thing every time. It's clueless, brainless tactics, um, stubborn, playing the same way. We talked on our last episode about how maybe it might be worth just considering a change of formation, just just thinking about the side you're coming up against. Obviously, we knew that wasn't going to happen because that's the way in which this this coach works. Um, and I. I mean, going forward, we we looked um, like rabbits in the headlights. We looked like we had no creative spark whatsoever. You know, they were good defensively, Leicester. They were good at snuffing things out. There were quite a few opportunities where we seemed to break that uh, that kind of midfield line. And then on a, on a number of occasions, I think uh, Gineppo, uh, Ings, 
Redmond at times got to a point where they started running towards the goal and didn't let fly, didn't take that shot when maybe they should have. You know, they were waiting for something to open up. Maybe they could slip someone in or or maybe they could get a little bit closer. And they took one touch too many and the Leicester back three were good at, and, and Ndidi were good at kind of jumping in on those um, on those last touches just before the, the danger came. Um, you know, Danny Ings, and it was usually from that kind of inside left channel. So on the right foot. So we know Gineppo, Ings, uh, even Redmond can can bend that in the far corner, can can hit them from distance, but they didn't take them on. Um, we looked like we were overawed by the occasion and we looked like a, a team severely lacking in form and confidence. Um, to go to Wembley, to have that opportunity, you know, I heard that there were... Ralph and the coaching team had, had created pre-match videos and montages of the '76 team and the uh, you know them this this team doing well in the last couple of seasons and all the rest of it, but it didn't look like he showed it to them because they, they had an opportunity, Tom, to get to the final of an FA Cup, and anything can happen in the final of an FA Cup, and they didn't want it, um, and I can't I I can't think of a single player who looked any good, yeah, giving the ball away cheaply. Um, and the most annoying thing, and we, you knew it, I knew it, and I'd say 90% of Saints fans probably said it, we were not going to win that game by playing Vestergaard and Bednarak up against Vardy and Ian Acho. And not only was the personnel wrong, but to couple the personnel... We, the two slowest centre-backs you could possibly find, to tell them to press Jamie Vardy when he's got his back to goal, 35, 40 yards out, to allow him then to spin you and to run into that space. Jamie Vardy can have the ball with his back to goal, 40 yards out, all he likes, because that's not his game. For Bednarak to constantly dive in late and then be treading water trying to get after him and Jamie Vardy running into like a meadow of space, which is what he thrives on. And that happened for the goal. I know the goal was unfortunate. You know, he fluffed his lines massively, hit Bednarak and he hadn't had a second chance. But it happened over and over again. And Vardy couldn't believe his luck. And he popped himself on Bednarak all game. And once again, Arsenal didn't see it, didn't change it. Just left it to left it to happen and and hope that things would change and they they obviously didn't. They obviously didn't and you know by by half time I was actually fairly pleased with what I was seeing in terms of you know weathering some kind of storm. Uh, not that there was much of a storm, but I thought okay, keep ourselves in the game and we've got made it to half time. Now we can have a go in the second half. Did we have a go in the second half? apart from maybe the Walker Peters free kick at the very start, which didn't really come, which came to nothing. I can't think of any, there were, what, what really disappointed me and what really got me frustrated was the complete lack of intensity. You would watch it. I, it was 85 minutes and we were just passing it around the back. And you think that, you know, we were the one that were one. We were the ones that were one nil up waiting for the final whistle just back to Forster, every time we even got remotely forward, maybe to Jenepo or Redmond or Armstrong, 
we'd maybe get even 30 yards out from the Leicester goal and we'd suddenly just be turning it back and then playing across the across the middle of the pitch. And it was so frustrating. You know, have a, have a go. You know, that we needed... There was no one in that side yesterday who thought, right, we need to pull our socks up here. I'm going to I'm gonna produce something special. It was just too far, too... Just lacking pace, lacking... Pedestrian, intensity. wasn't it? Pedestrian, yeah. No one was willing to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and thought, you know, you're, you guys aren't going to do it. I'm going to drag us into the final. I'm going to make myself a hero. Ings has looked significantly off the boil for a long, long time now. I don't want to know. I don't want to question whether he cares or not. Um, Cause at this point he just, he, he wasn't getting the service and he was just running tirelessly and he probably spent most of the game giving the referee eyes and because he kept on getting manhandled. I didn't see any problem with the referee. The only contentious decision was maybe Diallo getting booked and then no one else getting booked for pretty much the next 45 minutes, but that doesn't. Well, I think, I think Soinchu should have got sent off. But, yeah, um, that but, large. Uh, yeah, quite, quite obviously, and that's that's when Ings kind of, sit, you know, when I saw him react a bit. But um, I'm not even going to moan about it, and I'm not going to try and use that as a as an excuse no. and and for anything other than blaming ourselves because we we only have ourselves to blame. And um, yeah, and I don't know where it leaves us. You talk about someone stepping up, but you know, the leadership inevitably comes from the manager and, and on a, such a, a, a poor run of form, it's, um, you know, like you said, this this isn't a patch. This isn't a poor little run of form or a blip as we thought it might be. Um, this is this is us. This is how we play now. Um, we know how we can play because we've seen it previously, which probably doesn't help this team and this manager. Um, in some ways it does because people are still kind of clinging on to the whole... Oh no! Give him time. Give him a chance. Because look what he did before. We were top once, you know, for like a few hours. On the other hand, we're now comparing the team that we saw yesterday, that time recording, to um, to the team that was was starting the season like a house on fire and and ended last season. So the the fact that it's the same group of players and and they're so polar opposite, and you cannot, you know, they have no confidence in themselves, in each other. They say all the right things, but every game we see the same old mistakes, the same issues, and they are never corrected. So when will they ever be corrected? Um, I don't see any signs of improvement. We're getting worse and worse every game. And I just, I don't understand. You know, people don't want to criticise the manager, but, you know, blame the board, blame the players, whatever. But how long is it going to be before manager manages to get this team to play for him? Because they're not doing it. it I, I don't know. And we've got seven games left of the season and I can't, I can't see us winning any one of them. I mean, we've got, we've got Tottenham on Wednesday. I think we've got the Palace game still to be arranged. But then we've still got games against, well, Leicester again, West Ham. Tot- Tottenham on Wednesday, they've got, um, they've got no Kane. And they've just lost their manager. So usually, I'd, for a Saints side, I'd be thinking, oh, there's an opportunity for us to to go away to Tottenham and to, to get a result. But what's what's left of Tottenham should should easily sweep by what we are offering up at the moment. Yeah. Right okay. now, right now in the Premier League, apart from Sheffield United, we are the worst side in the Premier League. And Sheffield United have been relegated. 
So, you know, and Norwich promoted. So, you know, looking at that, and, and that's no exaggeration. Like right now, the way that we are playing week in, week out, there is not a worse side still in the Premier League than us. And that's that's what the worry is. The worry isn't getting getting to the end of the season and finishing 15th with no backing, really, from the board. And then people might say, well, what more do you want? That's not the point. The reason that we are in that place is because we did well in the first half of the season. If, if it was the other way around, like last season, where we started so poorly, you know, don't forget, this isn't the first time we've been in the relegation battle points in the season under this manager and with this team. But we started the season very poorly, had a particularly bad result. They stuck with him, turned it round, and we were fantastic second half of the season. So you're ending on a high. Now we've had our great start to the season, first 10, 15 games, and now we are abysmal. So we continue this, unless there's some significant strengthening of, of the squad in the summer, then this is I only see this continuing. I don't see where it's going to stop. And then next season... You know, how long is it going to be before we realise that we're in the shit and we then decide that we have to make changes? Because doing it partway through a season, when you're already struggling, you then become a different kettle of fish altogether. That's when you start looking for your Sam Allardyces and your, your Tony Pulises to try and keep you up, as it were. So, I, I just, yeah, I, I, finishing at the end of the season, if you finish 15th and we've got a semi-final of a cup, you know, that's not the worst but it's the fact of where we are now and where we have been for the last three months. We're struggling to get a win in, in, in the Premier League and the performances are getting worse and I feel like they're not playing for him anymore. No, I mean, since the night against Liverpool where Ralph was crying, we've, we've, we've got seven points. Seven points in total since that game. And as you said, there just does not seem to be any sort of light at the end of the tunnel. We just continue to play really really badly and it's uh, it's it's four, it's seven, seven points from 14 games right yeah so from a possible 42 yeah we, that's, 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 that's derby levels that's derby county that's, levels that's sheffield united current levels that's awful yeah and and like, like you said it can't you, know, you can't you can't continue to and the problem is that what what's what's so annoying is that we are not learning from any errors we're making you know, it is, it is this, we're going to continue. It's, it's almost arrogant. We're going to continue to do what we do because it works once upon a time and it will eventually work again. And we'll continue to do the stuff on the training ground and we'll continue to play the same way, regardless of what team we're playing against, regardless of who is in form or what, what players we've got available to us, we will continue to play the same way. And right now, that's that's just a losing method. And what really smacks of the arrogance, there's a couple of quotes. One from Ralph, which was saying he was asked about how what how do you deal with opposition team setting up? And he said, we don't worry about the opposition. As you said, they got to worry about us and how we set up. And you just think, well, that, that, that was great. That was yeah. great when we were top of the league and when yeah. he said it. He's not going to say it now, though, is he? No, not at all. And another one uh, was from Redmond. Saints had this um, this little YouTube video. I think it was at Redmond's interrogation where they asked him really difficult questions, which were not difficult in the slightest and really not controversial at all. And one of them was um, about the style of play. And he said, uh, 
Oh, oh no, no, no. The question, the question was who would win between the team that Redmond joined and the team now. So no Mane or anything, just like Van Dijk, Tadic, that lot. And Redmond was talking about, I think the current team would win. Uh, I wouldn't like to be pressed by us. I wouldn't want to play against us at the moment. And I thought there was none of that pressing yesterday. Absolutely none of it. I was thinking, I'd love to be pressed by this team. It, you know, I'd, I'd get a day off, I could put my slippers on. Yeah, well, I mean, Redmond is only ever going to give one answer to that, isn't he? Mm. He's not going to He's not going to turn around and say, oh, we're, um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather play in the old team because this team's shit. He's going to turn around and say exactly what uh, what he did. And also, he's much more of a part of this team than he, than he was in, in that one. Mm. I just, yeah, at, at the end of the day, we are... Um, in a downward trajectory, and I think I think if you go not only through a, a period of time where you you can't win a game, you know, fourteen games and seven points is you th- you feel like any other manager would have been sacked for any other team with that kind of run. The cup has saved Ralph. The cup run has saved Ralph. I think well, it would... did. It did. Yeah. But look how it ended. You know, where did it get us? You know, no, no. We got, I, we got, I know we got what you that far, and we put in that performance. Um, and the performances have progressively gotten worse. Mm. You know, they're still getting worse. I mean, the West Brom one was a farce. Um, we were fortunate that Leicester were seemed to be as uh, worried about the FA Cup semi final as we seem to be. It was an awful game of football. Um, I was the same as you. I was just happy that at half time, despite the fact that we had created zero, Leicester had had a couple of chances and it was still nil nil. So we were in it. Uh, we had a real chance and we, we let it slip. But I just, at the, the crux of it, and you keep coming back to it because the owners won't change. You know, if the, the owners are in charge of these football clubs, you know, today with the news that's come out about um, the Premier League and the Super League, and, you know, we know that more than ever. You can't change the owners and they clearly aren't backing the manager, but the manager has a team and a a squad that is capable of doing so much more than they're doing right now. And we saw what they were capable of earlier in the season. And that's why I said, you know, it's a double-edged sword because you look at that and say, oh, well, look how good Ralph is and look how good the team is. But also it's a direct comparison to how how crap we are now. Um, It's not a blip. And, and, and you've got to start questioning now, is, is this permanent? Is this, what, was, was it a blip earlier in the season? You know, was it a purple patch? You've asked me that before on here. And the longer the season goes on, this and this run of form, if you want to call it it, goes on, the more it looks like that was just a purple patch and a kind of a, um, kind of uh, some momentum from, from, the previous season where we we only had a few weeks break so yeah you with every week you're questioning decisions that he's making personnel tactics in-game management it seems to be getting it wrong every single week and um i'm not enjoying watching southampton play football anymore i'm watching a game and i'm find myself kind of huffing or rolling my eyes and questioning what, you know, the individuals on the pitch as well. I mean, the players have got to be accountable too. You know, this isn't just Ralph, but he manages, his his job is to manage those players. And the players, they're all making individual errors, choosing the wrong passes, 
um, it's just getting more and more annoying. Whereas it just seemed to be earlier in the season, it seemed to be clockwork. It seemed to be, you know, everyone knew what they were doing um, in the, on the ball, without the ball. Now I don't, I don't see that kind of. You, know, you could see what the plan was off the ball. You could see what the plan was in possession. Don't see that anymore. It looks like the players have lost all idea of what's going on. And um, you know, and to to be honest, and there are two types of Saints fan, not types, but you're in you're in two camps. You're either Ralph in on the basis of it's almost becoming blind loyalty mm. to uh, the manager that just knowing, you know, holding on to the hope that. Oh, can can this guy resurrect us back to the football he had us playing, and and keep us at that level permanently? And I think there's and I think there's also the curiosity of if we do get a couple of fullbacks in, if we do get a, a you know another striker or a winger, yeah, if we if we do get some some reinforcements and some more Arsenal side signings, will will we be in a position next year where we can make that start that we did. And when we do get injuries, we have the replacements to continue it. Um, my my worry is that he just doesn't seem to be managing um, correctly and he doesn't seem to be able, when the chips are down, he doesn't seem to be able to dig in to find a way. He's a manager, we've said it before, say it again, he seems to be a manager where when we're on the way up, um, everything's working. And and he's fantastic, and his philosophy works, and everything touches turns to gold. But when we are in the trenches, and when we're on a downward spiral, he goes missing, um, and that's and that's the fact of it. There are so many times. Uh, yesterday, the the worst feeling, one, one of the worst feelings for me yesterday was uh, when Ian Acho scored. I think it was. <clears throat> I think they were still half an hour, forty minutes to go, and I just I I didn't say it out loud, but inside I was just thinking, well, that's that. 1-0, I, yeah. I, I don't see us coming back into this. And it, I, I, it was, I was almost resigned to the fact that, well, uh, I, was saying to, I was saying to my dad, we have to score the first goal. We have to score the first goal because this... We had be- no threat. We had no goal threat, did we? So so yeah. it was always going to be a game where if we conceded, we were going to struggle. You know, mm. I thought before the game, this, this is the game where... Yeah, and, and Gareth Southgate was there as well. And I was thinking, this is the game where... Ward Prowse and especially Ings needs to step up. Ings is our game changer. Ings is our talisman. He is our best player. And I don't think it's a motivational thing. I don't think he's thinking, I'm not going to be here at the end of the season. I don't think it's a lack of effort. Something's wrong with the team, the service to him. And it's since he came back from that injury, he hasn't been the same player. And other people say he works hard and all the rest of it. You know, I didn't see him working hard yesterday. And he just, he seems to be able to, he always seems to be able to create something out of nothing and be that spark up front and do something fantastic. And we'd all think, oh, what a player we've got. And that's all we wanted from him yesterday. And it, it just didn't happen for him. And I think if that's all he can offer right now, and that's all the team can offer, and Arsenal's all saying, we left it all out on the pitch. If that is our best that we can leave out on the pitch, then it's time to it's time to change because um, our best not only isn't good enough, but it was pathetic. So, are you are you now firmly Ralph out? What, what's what's your stance? Um, yeah, I, I think 
I mean, you're always going to give them to the end of the season, I feel. Yeah, no um, point in changing it now, especially with everything else that's going on. Who knows? We might even be in Europe next season, but that's that's <laughs> up in the air. Oh, they're all dead rubbers now, aren't they? I mean, essentially, we just want the season to end. Yeah. You know, I can't really be asked with another, what is it, six seven. games to play? Seven, seven games. games. I, I don't have any interest in any of those games. No. Um, you know, it would be an absolutely monumental feat for us to get relegated from this position. We're not going to get anywhere else from it. We'll talk about it but, you know, soon, but unless something does happen with this Super League and, and suddenly, you know, the, the top four is you're finishing in the top half and you're in the top four, then, you know, and then whatever. But we're, we're, we're not in a position to do anything. And if we continue for the last seven games to do what we're doing now, then by the end of the season, Ralph Hasenel has to go. Yeah, I think I can. Now, now it's almost, it should almost be pressures off now. He should convey that to his players and we should say, look, we have nothing to play for now. Same as at the end of last season after lockdown. So just have fun. Get back to where we were. Let's start playing our football. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's maybe try some things tactically if you want to. But just send them out there with, you know, no pressure, no relegation, no FA Cup. Let's go and spoil some parties or, or whatever and see how they go. And if, you know, if we do start seeing some, some improvement, then keep him. But if we don't, by the end of the season, I feel like it's too much of a risk to back him a little bit financially to bring his own players in. If what we're going to do, get to the end of October, November, we're in a relegation zone and then move him on and bring someone else in and they have to get the best out of Hasenutl's team or do we get them in at the end of the season and say, here you go, um, bring in a few of your own players. And that's, that's I, I don't think he'll go. If you're asking for a prediction, I don't think he'll go. I think he's been backed heavily and they've kind of pinned their colours to the mast, really. But I, I feel like he'll, um, I don't see where the club is going and where the team's going other than to the championship. I completely agree. The only way is down at the moment. There's no... There's no game on the horizon that I think, oh, cool, we could get something from that. It's literally, let's try and not lose every game heavily. Because again, as soon as we go 1-0 down, that's it. We've had it. That's when we're not getting anything out of that game unless we get awarded a fluke penalty when we're nowhere near the ball or something like that. It's just, uh, I'm completely the same. I think yesterday it was, the, it was one chance left to keep our season alive. And I would have, I, I'd feel a lot better about it had we really gone for it and lost 2-0 on the break, had we, you know, they'd gone 1-0 up and then what we'd spent the entirety of the second half just completely throwing balls into the box, chance after chance after chance, trying to fight back. And then we unfortunately just get caught on the break. But we didn't, Leicester didn't even need to do that. Leicester, their fans and their players must have been thinking they've won the lottery here because they're just, they're thinking, wait, we're five minutes away from an FA Cup final and we can just pass it around the back. There's no like there's no reason to be scared. We're not we're not putting everyone behind the ball, trying to head clearances off the line. We're there. Then it's like we, we don't need to do anything. They're not. Are, are they really just going to pass it around the back? It was it was just awful. It was really just awful. And I'm the same with you. If I don't see any improvement by the end of the season, then Ralph has to go. I don't care what we could achieve, what we could have achieved now. It's obvious that 
if we continue the way this is happening, then it it's it's a it's a tall order. Here's an interesting question for Tom. I mean, we mentioned in last week's episode that there were two times really that you would get rid of the manager either at the end of the season or after the FA Cup if we go out. That's now happened. Is there? I suppose it really depends on who you want to bring in. But is there an argument now that maybe with nothing to play for and seven free hits, seven games of kind of get to know you? Is it maybe worth bringing in a manager now or, or after the Spurs game to not a trial period because you'd give them the job, but almost, you know, you're in a really beneficial position as a manager to come in and and mm. have a load of games that you can almost treat as friendlies, you know, and maybe we need a win here, but I still don't think we get relegated. No. But it's a chance for them to, to a lot of, a lot of managers come in close season. They have the odd friendly. The, the players aren't fit, and they'll um and they'll kind of really the start of the Premier League is when they're finding their feet and they're getting used to the new players and the players to the manager. It's worth having a seven game period, six or seven game period now, where they get to find out what it's all about, and then they have the close season. Then they know what players they need to bring in more than they would having had no experience with the team. And then um, and then the start of next season, they're in a really good position where they kind of already know mm. what they've got and, and and the players know how to play in their style. That's a really good question. I I think it, it, it's certainly not a bad idea trying to do that. However, um, hypothetically, I think it would be, it'd certainly be beneficial to give them that, as you said, those seven games just to try and implement their style, try and give the, a, a chance just to sort of bed it in. I don't think it will happen because it's... And as you say, I don't think Ralph is going to go at all because um, he's already, they've already got... You know, it sounds like they've already got their ducks in a row in terms of early transfers, building Ralph's squad for next season. So I don't think it is going to happen. Really, probably just had the news of what has come out recently not happened yesterday, I'd have said, yes, do it. However, with so much now up in the air, I probably would hold fire just for the time being because we have absolutely no idea what is going to happen over the next couple of days because it has been quite... Uh, it's been an earthquake through football, really, anyway. I mean, what, so what, what, for what reason would you hold on yeah just because of complete uncertainty that we've got or is this because you from what we're hearing you see maybe reason for optimism and and you know if we did lose the big six as it were we'll go on to just run through I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about but do you just see that Ralph Harsness will be a good fit for someone that could potentially take us to the top of the league <laughs> I think it's I think it's a bit of both because it's more so uncertainty and I think in a time obviously Tottenham didn't really care they just got rid of Jose anyway but I think for Saints we need to see how this plays out because if we are going to lose the top six and it's all you know up in the air but as I, I, I personally think it's a real threat at the moment um, then we don't know what kind of league we're going to be competing in and actually this sounds ridiculous but if we were to lose the big six because of all the places currently are for European football, um, because we were we would technically be runners up of the FA Cup and just lost the final to that awful display, we'd actually qualify for the European qualifiers themselves. I mean, yeah. Well, is that fact, or are we just 
making we're, we're, we're that pulling, up. Yeah. We're pulling. I think. I think it is pie in the sky and nice thinking. I. Uh, I, th I think, mate. There's just far too much uncertainty at the moment because we don't know if if we do lose the big six, then we're currently eighth in the league. Now, does that doesn't ruin that? That doesn't um, sort of gloss over what has been a really, really poor run of form. I think that emphasises how shit this season's been. <laughs> yeah. Even if we took got rid of six teams, we still have only finished eight. Well, we haven't finished yet, but you know, no. we could finish lower, could finish higher. Um, let's talk about it then. The thing that everyone is talking about, um, and obviously everyone has an opinion on it, but no one is happy until they've heard the opinions of uh, you and I yep. on the subject. Well, so we are gospel. It's what you've been waiting for. It's what you've been waiting for. Um, so the bigwigs have essentially uh, decided to break away, and that, that's the that's the big part for me. Is that are they breaking away, or are they? You know, I think they'd rather stick around. But essentially, Super League, where all the biggest teams or so-called biggest teams in in Europe and various countries are going to go into their own league and now this is the idea of this is that it's a replacement for the Champions League it's not a replacement for the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A etc um, and they'd be played in midweek and there are currently 15 teams six of which are the traditional big six in the Premier League and um, and they they would have uh, twenty teams overall, and each season there would be an invitation for another five teams, which would vary each season based on what has been achieved. So I don't know, someone might win the Europa League, someone might finish top in the new Premier League, someone might or, or, or you know finish top four in the Premier League with the existing teams, or you know whatever. Or, or someone might just offer a lot of money. Who knows? This all seems corrupt. The the big talking point, I think, is the fact that this is permanent. Those fifteen teams would permanently be in this Super League, and there is no potential for any relegation. So, so obviously, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, maybe less obviously, Arsenal and Tottenham. So, Tottenham Hotspur would be guaranteed to be in the elite football tier, as it would be. Um, they'd all face each other. You know, who really cares about the format? I think it's ten split into two, uh, two leagues of 10 teams, and then you kind of make it into a quarterfinal knockout stage and whatever. I'm sure you get a nice shiny medal at the end of it. But where do, where do you... I mean, what's what do you take from this, Tom, as the most important kind of takeaway where you know what doesn't sit right with you what maybe does because there's so many it's kind of very cloudy at the moment and there's a lot of there it seems to be affecting more the fans of the teams involved in this potential breakaway then I, it does still affect the rest of the football pyramid and the rest of the teams in the premier league but you, you've been hearing on the radio all day about fans who are talking about just turning their back on their clubs, the big six clubs, that is, going to find another team to support um, and all of these things. And obviously FIFA, UEFA, the FA, Premier League, even Boris at number 10 have all kind of condemned this, um, this proposal, which those teams have signed up for. They're, they all seem to be leaving the, was it the CEA? So essentially... ECA, yeah. ECA, sorry. Essentially uh, saying to... to 
UEFA, or we're no longer interested in being in the Champions League. They're moving. They've they've signed up now, so they've said that we're breaking away. And and the whole breakaway thing is coming about really because the Premier League and and whatever other English governing bodies have said, uh, and UEFA and FIFA and the rest of it have said, it, it seems that they will be removed from the Premier League if they choose to go and play in this Super League. UEFA have said that, uh, and FIFA have said that in in the Euros, including the ones coming up in a couple of months. And the World Cups, and every everything you, you know, you won't be able to play for your club, uh, for your country internationally if you play for a Super League team. So suddenly the Euros could look very different for for Southgate squad and, and everyone else. Um, so so they would essentially be given a choice, and it's just a huge negotiation now, and the legal battle has already started. But it's essentially a choice um, between being in the Premier League. And being in the Super League now, rather than it taking over from the Champions League. So, you know, who who's to blame? Where do we go from this? And, and, and what do you want to talk about kind of specifically? Well, first of all, I think who's to blame? It's the owners of these clubs who have gone behind the backs of everybody um, to basically try and grab as much wealth as possible. What I... what baffles me and really shocks actually no it doesn't shock me but i think it's appalling that figures are flying around of this like 300 and 300 million a year participation award or whatever and they think they have the audacity to think we want to still be part of your domestic league but we're going to have an extra 300 million pounds to spend each over the teams that compete in those leagues now i know that there's a great disparity between the wealth of the clubs in the Premier League from top to bottom. You've got Man City at the top and then you've got the likes of Burnley, Sheffield United at the bottom. But them to th- they, they, not, they don't exactly need extra money. So to, have, to be like, yeah, we, yeah, we'd still like to compete in this, cup, how, in this league. However, just to let you know, we will have um, collectively maybe about a billion quid between us to get all the best players uh but yeah. you're okay you're okay with that we're we're, we're fine to compete we're fine to compete yeah that's great that's great thank you um and that, that that gap in the premier league has just started to be bridged doesn't it leicester are consistently challenging for those european places look what west ham are doing brilliant things um obviously leicester won the premier league before other teams have been up and and challenging not quite had the legs to go the whole way but you know, all the teams that finished in the top six, you know, Saints did it not too long ago, will be creating a chasm between the top six and everyone else because money will be no object. Spurs will pay off that stadium in about three years off the money that they're getting from this. That's why Levy's so interested. Um, Arsenal probably the same. So so from, from, the, from the owners and the board members and all of those guys who don't, uh, so out of touch with football, the working man's game, and these owners are leaving the fans behind. You know, this isn't the choice of the fans of these teams. This isn't the choice of the players. You know, the club and the badge and the crest and everything that it represents is is um, is powerless really to the owners, and that's where the Germans have got it right. Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich um, immediately come out and said not interested in this and they're 51% owned by the fans uh, I think Porto, PSG seem to have both come out and, and also um, said no to that and um, and now Ajax are the next team that seem to be half interested 
Who would have thought in this day and age that PSG would be the knights in shining armour for, <laughs> for corruption? Don't need any bloody money, do they? That's the thing. Apparently, Chelsea and Man City were um, not convinced by the idea, but ended up signing up because they didn't want to be left behind. And and you know and and you know what? Like, I can't. I get. I get that a little bit. Like, if they have the chance to be in it, and they go, "No, I'm not being in it because I think it's wrong," and they go, "Okay, fair enough." And then Man United uh, and 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 Liverpool and. Tottenham and Arsenal end up getting all this money and and end up overtaking the likes of um, likes of Chelsea and Man City. We know they're wealthy owners, but I mean this is ridiculous. So what we're left with then is an elitist Super League where all the money is tied up there. You know, it's it's, it's a huge. I think it's a huge amount of TV rights and everything else goes to this away from the Premier League. You've got clubs like Berry going out of business, Bolton were so close to going out of business and a minute proportion of that money per team would have would mean that we'd still have a berry uh, amongst other teams that I'm sure after this pandemic which just puts it over the edge really the fact that the, it's happening during this pandemic where there is no money um, for so many people there'll be more clubs that go out of business and this will not help it and uh, I, I just think that, I mean You've heard what the likes of Gary Neville have had to say and, and Match of the Day 2 had their words and obviously today on the radio and Twitter and you know, everyone seems to be condemning this. But I think it's, I think it's absolutely farcical, this notion of the, the, the American sporting way. You know, the World Series where only America are involved and the MLS and everywhere else where I mean, the Americans don't know what promotion and relegation is and they, don't, they cannot get their heads around it. Um, you know, a lot of fans can. Obviously, we've got you know Americans that that follow um, Saints and follow this podcast. But in terms of the 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 owners of clubs and uh, the runners of leagues and everything else, that's just not the way it works. And that seems to now be the, what they're trying to do with the Super League. Imagine. So, so what we're saying is these fifteen teams are secure permanently to get this income to play in this league, no matter how shit they might become playing this league indefinitely and and there is no merit in football anymore you know you can still come up and down the, the English pyramid and what it might be but you cannot play your way out of or into this super league on a permanent basis unless maybe you see somehow another team manages to keep winning the Premier League and then they're you know each season they'll get this invite imagine Tom if this came about 20 years ago or, or 25 years ago, we we would have uh, Leeds, who are, are now back again, but for the last 15 years been in the Football League, Blackburn, Newcastle, uh, maybe Aston Villa, um, West Ham, back, at, back in the early 2000s, finished in the top six um, at some stage. You know, if it happened at, at, at that point, based, I know this isn't based on league position, but the, the big six... But uh, yeah, see where those clubs have gone. I know three hundred million pound a year is probably going to stop the likes of Arsenal from dropping into relegation zone. But it, it it's just it boggles me because imagine at the time those were the best six teams in England at you know at different stages. If they were given that opportunity, then you know we could have we could have those sides as the big six. So so who's to say in ten years time that we won't have a completely different big six? 
are Arsenal even in the big six anymore? I put out a tweet yesterday that, you know, Spurs haven't won anything since 2008. Swansea and Wigan and, I dare I say it, Portsmouth have won more major trophies in that time. Mm. Well, Arsenal, Arsenal have been in the Champions League and God knows how long. Spurs got knocked out by Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League. Who was it like four of the, the elite are currently fifth, sixth, seventh and ninth in their leagues? Yeah, exactly. If, if They'd be leaving a Premier League in which they can't compete this season they're just, because, they're, yeah. because they are the elite. Um, you know, the, the likes of Leicester and West Ham having seasons they're having and then wondering how the hell they ended up in a, in a, in a Premier League next year that includes Barnsley and Brentford and Norwich. Well, Norwich get promoted. Anyway, Sheffield United staying in there, <laughs> potentially, you know, all these things. I tell you uh, what. It's, it's, it, it's madness. And no, you're, no, no, no Champions League or, 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 or there would be a Champions League, but without the some of the biggest teams in, in Europe competing. I was just wanting to make a point that if Sheffield United don't get relegated, then um, who, who's there? Who's there is it, I can't actually, off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of the of the caretaker manager. But he Hecking would, Bottom. Hecking Bottom, yeah. He, would be, he could get managed as a season for managing to save his team from relegation after mathematically being relegated. Be a huge asterisk on that, wouldn't they, I think? But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it it it's just it it's, it seems it just smacks of um, elitist, non-merited, foreign greed, and for the decision to be made by six owners, six men of football clubs, to to decide to potentially change the pyramid of English football forever to line their pockets. You know, the, we, this, the Football League's founded like 140 years ago. None of those clubs were any of the founding members. But but money talks, it seems. And now for for those six clubs to decide that they are the, the elite of the country and to decide that not only are they the elite, but they're going to break away from... English football and the Premier League and and leave it in a state where oh, well I don't know I don't know where we'll be it'll take a long time for it to get to any to any kind of level that it's been for for the last 30 years the Premier League but hopefully this doesn't go any further hopefully I think it's going to be you know the legal battle is going to go on for a long time but what FIFA UEFA um, and the Premier League are doing is it sounds sounds great because they're not backing down to this. I mean, who would imagine? You say PSG. Who would imagine that FIFA and UEFA would be the uh, the beacons of of light in doing the right thing and morals in football? But yeah, they're all they're all out for their own pockets anyway. So e- either way, what um, by by saying to these players that you can't play international football, you can't represent your country, you can't go to the Euros, you won't be in the Premier League. You just hope, you know, by Bayern Munich, Dortmund, PSG, you know, two of those sides were the, were the finalists of the Champions League last season. Mm. Um, and PSG is, is still in the semi-finals now. So they're not even getting the the very elite that they want. Yeah, who are they going to replace them with? The bloody Romanian champions. Rangers going to go in there. Come on. So I, I, I just uh, I, I just hope that they continue to um, do what they're doing and and legally 
they've got a foot to stand on because um, it seems to be going that way. The, the English clubs seem to already be filing some sort of lawsuit against these um, these organisations. And, I mean, it, it, it begs a huge question for the likes of Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, you know, Marcus Rashford, some some of our biggest players for England begs a huge question of what the, what they're going to do, and in such a short time before the Euros as well, you know, what options do they have? Do they choose their club over their country, or or, or, or do they choose their country? See Harry Kane turning up at Saints next season. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to say, one thing we might have to be do, do is scrap the original Euro 2021 squad video that we did. And we'll have to do another one and start picking all the players that we didn't pick in the first time. But what is going to, there's going to be a lot of um, interesting developments tomorrow because, of course, the Premier League have got that meeting where they're going to be discussing what's been going on. And that meeting is exclusive for just the 14 clubs that are not part of the Super League. So... We'll certainly, I think, we'll certainly hear some sort of development tomorrow. I wonder if I wonder if Norwich are in that. I wonder, sorry, I wonder if Norwich are in that meeting, or if Sheffield United are still hanging on as technically, <laughs> although they're relegated. Norwich are promoting. Yeah, it's not going to necessarily have anything to do with them. But I suppose, yeah, I suppose it's a, it's, it's a bit of a a moot point. But yeah, exclusively leaving out the uh, the elite of English football. And Harson also had his say today, didn't he? Although you know, we've already mentioned he's he needs to get his own house in order first mm. but he's he's obviously against it as as everyone would be other those other than those big six so, so hugely divisive um in the premier league we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about this split i mean i'd be huge interested if anyone was for it and, yeah. to, and to see the reasons i mean the, you know the idea of a different format especially considering that the UEFA are reformatting the Champions League so it includes thirty-six teams, and I honestly wouldn't, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't care if the Champions League was replaced with some sort of Super League. In in it, that was still you still had to qualify for, you know. Yeah. So if we yeah. mixed it up with a different format and you had twenty teams, and and you know we we stopped messing around with the bloody um, Azerbaijan champions and some carabag and having bloody you know someone from the from the israeli league and just all the all this nonsense if we got the best of the best and if they wanted to do it in a little bit of a league format and then you quarter finals they just wanted to change it up a bit you know or we had or they had a 20-man league and they did that during midweek and, and all the rest of it then you know what fine but you have to earn your place there's no guarantee there's no guarantee that Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal, for instance, can sit comfortably knowing that no matter what they do, they're going to get that payday and they're going to be in that elite because that's not the way that, that football works. Could you imagine for this new league, you, know, you can invite five clubs. Could you imagine if they invited Ajax and Ajax, or, or, or a team like that, just throwing out names? And they then went and pulled the pants down of all of those teams and ended up mm. winning the league. They'd be like, "No, you're not coming again. No, go away, go away." They we probably don't want would. You. Yeah, they probably would. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the sort of thing. You're invited would. to take part and to get that. whipped by all of us. You do not come here to do well. Okay, that yeah. says it in your contract, and as such, you do not get the three hundred million. Goodbye. Yeah, I just yeah, it's it's, it's piss poor, and uh, I I think there's no way back. 
for the clubs that have signed up for it in terms of the relationship with the fans. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, the hatred they'll get from other fans. Also, the, the backlash. I don't think any of these fans have ever had to think about turning their back on their own club before, no. which is why this is huge news. Um, and if they if they chose to do that off the back of this, then and and this didn't go ahead. You know, I, I think the trust isn't going to be there, certainly with the owners. And I think I think football could get ugly. And I think they're very fortunate that they're doing this when football was played behind closed doors, because I think mm. there would be one hell of a backlash, Absolutely. Uh, boycott, um, Liverpool fans removing their flags from the cop end already. It's about as much as they can do. Man United mm. fans outside the stadium protesting. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty pathetic. I'm all for seeing the best against the best. And that's what we see in other sports. You know, we're all clambering for Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. And you in boxing, we want to see the best of the very best. But you have to earn your title as the best. And that's what we see in the Champions League. The whole the whole idea of security and being in this in the Super League is um is elitist. It's it's unfair on all those teams. Teams that want that have a dream and have a plan to try and gate crush that and try and reach that level. Um, and you know what, Leicester would never have been able to do what they did five years ago. Um, can you imagine that? So, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how this develops. I feel like it's not going to be something that's in place by certainly not by next season. I think this is gonna this is gonna go on for a while in 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 this legal battle. I just hope it doesn't affect Euro twenty twenty because we're looking forward to that. A lot, as you'll know, if you've seen our YouTube video on the squads and give that a listen and, and, and a watch. Um, I'm hoping we don't look forward to we've It's been put off a year already, this bloody thing. And then we get there, we're not allowed any of the elite players. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that that's that's the initial um, concern. And, uh, uh, and, and hopefully they leave the Premier League as what it is, because we want the best, we want the best players to be playing here every week and, if there is a Super League, I won't be watching it. And I'm sure I'm not alone in, in that either. Yeah, and I certainly won't be watching it either. So, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Do send them in. If you want to find the podcast, you can find us at under underscore Saints. You can find me at T214Murray. You can find me at Callum Wilson 21. Thank you very much for listening. Um, sorry again that Saints were piss poor at Wembley, but I think there may be bigger fish to fry around the corner. Stay safe. Stay yeah. wonderful.